Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast brought to you by the Hoops Head Podcast Network. My name is Devin Zanskis, and today I'm joined by Jared Cohen. What's up, Jared? Devin, how you doing, man? It's a pleasure to be on here. Man, I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, for all the listeners out there, Jared is another local NBA podcast host from Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, like myself. He, along with uh, Mike Hankey, Jared, did I did I pronounce that correctly? You got it. You got it. Mike Hankey. Mike Hankey. Shout out, Mike. Uh, hopefully, we can get him on the podcast here someday, too. Yes. Uh, those two are hosts of the Pick and Roll podcast that you can check out on Apple Podcasts, along with Nuck If You Buck. Um, Jared can plug the rest uh, towards the end of the podcast. A um, little more stuff on Jared here. He calls Milwaukee his home just as the reigning back-to-back MVP does, and myself. Um, But he's also from New York and Miami, which makes him a New York Knicks fan. So, Jared, I like to first start off uh, introductions with my guests, asking them uh, when and why they became um, fans of their team. So when and why did you become a New York Knicks fan? Well, uh, you're gonna have to take you're gonna have to take it back to probably uh, let's see, 1999. Um, I was born in 1995, and so uh, I was four years old. And uh, my dad uh, was he grew up in the Bronx in New York, and he uh, was actually at the NBA Finals when they won in 1970 and 1973. Um, so he grew he grew up a big Knicks fan when they in the glory days when the Knicks were were amazing. Um, with Walt Frazier and Dave DeBusher and, and Willis Reed, um, and so he kind of he kind of showed showed me the way as a, as a young kid, and uh, I travel around with a Fisher Price hoop, you know, growing up in New York, and um, always wanted to be Latrell Sprewell. Shout out Milwaukee, Latrell Sprewell, um, you know, guys like that, you know, Allen Houston, Larry Johnson, that '90s team in 1999. Uh, that was uh, when I first really fell in love with the Knicks. I was only four years old, but I remember uh, watching the finals uh, as they played San Antonio. It was a lockout season, and they lost, but they got to the finals, which was a, which was a thrill, and they were an eight seed. They were the first eight seed to make it to the NBA finals. Um, so, you know, that's when I really became um, a, just a diehard Knicks fan. Everything about the Knicks, I just loved. The passion of New York as a basketball city is, is, is you know, bar none. I mean, Milwaukee has great basketball fans. You know, that's no knock on the Bucks. 
um, and their fans. But, you know, New York uh, is the mecca of basketball. And uh, that's kind of what I grew up with, with my dad. And um, unfortunately, as the turn of the century came, uh, so did the Knicks' success. And so I wasn't able (laughs) to uh, see a lot of success uh, throughout my my young years and even now. But, you know, I'm still sticking with him. Uh, I'm still sticking with him, Devin. There you go. We we definitely appreciate that loyalty around here. Um, we were talking before the podcast about um, how unfortunate it is that, um, I mean, James Dolan does take a lot of the blame, and you'd be able to say more than I would, um, whether that's rightfully so rightfully or not. So. Rightfully so. Okay. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, that's prob- that is the hardest thing to change about an NBA franchise, but... At the top. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, because what happens is... You know, and, and there actually is a great thing on YouTube, if you, anyone ever wants to watch it, by a guy named Seth Rosenthal, who does a great job on YouTube, called Collapse. Um, and he breaks down franchises and teams that were had a chance to be something great, but just just some you know managerial decisions and things happen, you know. And uh, he breaks it down, you know, play by you know player by player, d- decision by decision, trade by trade. And uh, he broke down everything that was wrong about the Knicks from the year two thousand, you know, until pretty much now. Um, and so, you know, it's just, you know, little things like, you know, hiring Isaiah Thomas and, um, that wasn't a good decision. And when the Knicks had good management in 2012, 13, when we got to the conference semifinals, firing their GM, Glenn Grunwald right after it was those kind of bad decisions that just seemed to be a, a continuous trend. You know, um, Donnie Walsh was a great executive. The Knicks got rid of, um, and Phil Jackson was, was horrible. And so, you know, um, it just seems like the Knicks always seemed to have, you know, recently have seemed to make just the moves that people laugh at, you know, and that's uh, just unfortunate, but that's the way it is right now. Yeah, that's definitely something to check out, especially if, um, for whatever reason, Giannis thinks the grass is greener elsewhere, but uh, we don't think that's going to happen. No more uh, I don't either. thinking like that. I don't either. Yeah. Um, so you also spent a lot of time in Miami, you had said. Are you a Heat fan as well? So I'm not a Heat fan, um, but I, you know, I, I definitely, well, I'll say this, you know, I, I, I moved to Miami when I was four. Um, and so my parents uh, were, you know, s- split time between New York and Miami, had a business uh, in, in scarves. And, um, you know, I was able to pretty much grow up in Miami. And so, you know, I was a little kid in New York, but I grew up in Miami and, and Miami beach specifically. And so I got a chance to understand the culture of the heat, uh, with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. And, and when they got Shaq, it was a huge deal. And Dwayne Wade, obviously being, you know, Wade County and Udonis Haslam. So I got a chance to understand the culture of the heat. All my friends growing up were heat fans and I was the lone Knicks fan. Um, and it was a rivalry back in the late nineties with the heat and the Knicks. So, I mean, it, it was almost impossible for me to be uh, a fan of both, but I, I definitely respect the Miami heat, uh, especially now because they, they have an identity and they have a culture about them. That is, uh, you know, you have to play hard. It, it, it's just a, a mentality that, that you got to get the guys in t- tip top shape. And that comes from Pat Riley. You know, he did it with the Knicks in 94 um, and you know, he, he took him to the finals. And so I understand and Pat Riley did it with, with the Lakers back in the eighties. Um, so, you know, I respect the heat. I'm not a heat fan, but I really do respect them, uh, in terms of an organization they're at the top. I mean, you, you look at what they've done, um, you know, with, with three championships and they just started their franchise in 1989, you know? So, um, it's, it's been a good, it's been a good run for the heat and, uh, I'm not a fan, but I respect them. Nice. Nice. So yeah, I kind of asked that cause you hear a lot on, 
like Western Conference teams and versus Eastern Conference teams. I know that's not necessarily the case for you because both those teams are in the Eastern Conference uh, as well as the Bucks. Um, so, do you where do the Buck where exactly do the Bucks rank then in your NBA fandom, or or is it just basically Knicks or bust for you? So it's not Knicks or bust. Um, you know, I, I would say growing up, um, I always did like the Bucks because I have family here. That's why we moved. Here. Okay. Uh, my mom is from Milwaukee. You know, she's from Wauwatosa, and uh, that's oh, okay. why we that's why we came up here um, in 2011 to, to to help my family out. Um, but so, I mean, I always liked the bucks. It's just, you know, it was hard to, to kind of gravitate towards them because I mean, there obviously wasn't a whole lot of success, but I also, you know, a lot of people just kind of get that fandom from, from growing up where in your household and you know, my mom doesn't really like sports like that. So my dad did. And so that's where I got the the love of the Knicks. And so the bucks kind of came from my own, you know, I loved Michael red. Um, and I, and I, and I definitely liked Brandon Jennings as he was coming up too. And so I always wanted the Bucks to do well, Andrew Bogut. And they were, you know, back in 2009 I was rooting for them to beat the Hawks in that first round series uh back in the day. You know, yeah. and so I've always respected, you know, the Bucks and I like the Bucks. Um I, I mean I wouldn't consider myself a, a fan. I, I'm not as invested as you and Mike and a lot of other people I know are around here. But I'd probably put them, you know, third. I, I know my friends, if they listen to this, they'll say, you know, no, you, you've uh, jumped on the Clippers bandwagon because I was all, all in the on the Clippers this year <laughs> uh and they let me down. But no, I, I always root for the Bucks and I don't want them you know, to, uh, to ever falter, but so, you know, being a Knicks fan here, I've gone to some games and I get a little, uh, I get a little trash talk on me, you know? So sometimes it's, uh, <laughs> they don't, they don't understand where I'm coming from, but you know, as a Knicks fan, I, I, I don't understand how people, uh, could not just at least feel sorry for me, uh, of, of not having any success, uh, over the last probably, you know, 20 years. But, um, you know, yeah, I would, I would put the Bucks, uh, third, I put the Bucks third. Okay. So then, just to be clear, so then it goes Knicks, and then is it Clippers, Bucks, or do the Heat take the place of the Clippers? I, I so I put the Clippers right now, you know, because I had, you know, I ha- I definitely did like I, my favorite player in the league right now is Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah, you know, doing right. doing what he did last year uh, really really impressed me. His playoff run it was one of the more more incredible playoff runs I've ever seen. Um, and doing it, you know, being a two time Finals MVP in two different conferences that's really tough to do. And, you know, I think that, you know, it just, I like Doc Rivers. I liked what the Clippers had with their grittiness and toughness and with getting Paul George. It just, you know, Paul George looked horrible in the playoffs and the, the supporting cast really didn't yeah. step up. And, and yeah, but I, 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 right now I would say, you know, just due to the fact that, um, the Clippers were a team I was rooting for. I'd put I'd put them second, but no, you know, I almost I would say it's a toss up between the Clippers and Bucks. I think right now, since I don't have anybody to root for in the Eastern Conference, I was rooting for the Bucks to make the finals. I I wanted it to be my prediction, which was Bucks and Clippers, and I would have pulled for the Bucks to win that. Awesome. Well, we do certainly appreciate that on Nook if you Buck, and uh, we'll also get into a little bit of updated predictions later, um, and hopefully um, we can also get that one third of Lob City on the Bucks in the near future. Um, one last uh, question here on your New York Knicks. Um, do you, what would you like to see from them moving forward? Um, kind of 
first big steps to take? Do you want them to make a big splash in free agency or a big trade for a culture reset? Maybe for that one third of Lob City that I had mentioned instead of him coming to the Bucks, or or would you rather them focus on just rebuilding slowly in the draft? There, you just nailed it right there, Devin. Yeah. What, yep. what you just said at the end there is what the Knicks have not done uh, ever. They, they have not done that, and that is what they need to do. Uh, I was someone that, as a younger person, I wanted us to be great. I wanted us to see success quickly with Carmelo, Tyson Chandler. When when we were things were good, looking good, Porzingis, I mean, we had uh, signs where we were going to make strides to be good, and um, we just never were ever trying to kind of rebuild. And if you look at what the Bucks did, they re, they rebuilt their entire team when you know Giannis was getting drafted in through the mid you know twenty tens up until now. That's what they did, and you see what the success is, and you see a lot of these teams doing that. You know, very rarely do you see a franchise not rebuild and be successful. The only one I can think of is um, you know. Boston, Miami's kind of done that too, but Boston has always been able to be steady, and that's just because Danny Ainge is a top, you know, top GM. But the Knicks don't have that luxury of having great management. They haven't shown you that, and so uh, you need to build from the draft. You need to build young talent, and the Knicks, with the recent draft picks, haven't really been able to do that. I love R.J. Barrett, um, but uh, I, you just have to be able to uh, grab grab young, really good guys that are going to be pieces in the league for a while. And you just look at the Toronto Raptors. You look at the Miami Heat. They have young guys all across the board. And so do the Golden State Warriors now um, with, with some of the young talent that they're going to get with this upcoming draft pick and and uh, some of the young guys that they've been developing. They did that this year with Eric Paschal, who, who had a great year. Uh, Juan Anderson, who was a Marquette grad, played a lot of minutes. Kai Bowman, so they had a lot of young guys. Even though it was a, it was a you know waste of a year, some some would say it was a development year for the Warriors. You know, and so um, player development is huge, and that's what the Knicks are lacking. They need to rebuild from the draft up. Uh, they can't keep going shooting for the stars. They tried to get KD, Kyrie, and Zion. It didn't work out, obviously. So uh, you know, we we got to just uh, rebuild. That's all we can hope for. Yeah, I'd say that's the right way to go, too, and especially with the points that you brought up where um, not having some of the trust in the management. So I think definitely having them just hopefully falling into some good draft picks like R.J. Barrett. And um, I I believe your guys' pick this year also fell back a couple spots, but also you guys have next year's. You'll likely have a high pick in next year's draft too, which will be a much improved class. So that's definitely the way to go. And there's also just a ton of talent in the league right now. Like, um, obviously, if you guys were to go ahead and, and trade for Chris Paul, if the Thunder do want to go for some extra cap space there, it's just really tough to really make meaningful difference in one off season with one player. Uh, unless, of course, you guys were to have pulled off what, what the Brooklyn Nets did, but I mean, that, that's that's tough for anybody to do. Yeah, and it's almost a little tougher when you do it in our own backyard too, right? I mean, you're doing it right right across the right across the borough in, in Brooklyn. So uh, <laughs> let's let's not talk about that. Yeah, I, I, that's a, that's a that's a soft one. That's a soft topic for me. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it there. My bad, Jared. <laughs> and no, it's all good, man. I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, so to quit dancing around uh, the. The uh, one-third of Lob City and the giant elephant in the room, there is the Chris Paul 
uh, trade discussion that I've had a little bit so far. And as I said to Jared um, a little bit before, um, yeah, I still just can't get over the Chris Paul hype, especially with the huge disappointment that the Bucks had this this playoffs and Giannis's free agency looming. Although I think he has he has a different situation and a temperament upbringing than some other big guys who have who have left their teams, um, like a LeBron or a KD. Um, you 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 just you just never know what guys, especially of his caliber, are going to do, especially when they have the ultimate leverage in the league. So I think at least if we were to go out and get Chris Paul, it would it would be the ultimate sign to Giannis that we are uh, still working to move forward and uh, compete right now while we can while we have this window. Um, even though hopefully he signs uh, long term and that in our championship window can remain open. Um, so yeah, sort of in leaning into that, I do feel like those blowhards that you see on Instagram throwing fake, throwing jerseys onto players who don't play on said team. It really bugs me sometimes, but hey, that's where I am right now. And the trade package that I believe I've mentioned on Chris Paul has been um, sending Bledsoe, Hill, Urson, and then Dante and or a pick. Hopefully we'd be able to keep one of the two, but who are we kidding? Chris Paul is is even at his age. I believe he was um, he was second um, all NBA second team this year. So um, I I think if the Thunder are willing to say that their biggest piece that they got back was either Dante Divincenzo and uh, whatever the Indiana's Indiana Pacers pick this year is, um, yeah, we, we'd be thrilled if we could get away with that. Um, and we we technically can do that based off of the rule. Um, I believe it is. The rule that I have in mind actually applies if we are a luxury tax team, which we, current, we, we weren't after the end of the regular season this year, which is how the rule applies. The rule is that you have to, you cannot take in more than 125% of the salary that you send out, uh, plus $100,000. And with those salaries, it would uh, match up there. I'm not going to rattle off uh, every single dollar, but um, yeah, Jared, any thoughts on a Chris Paul trade for the Bucks? I can certainly see both sides. What do you think? Well, I think it would be a great move. Um, the problem is, you know, Eric Bledsoe, I mean, you know, the Bucks didn't really, um, you know, they were banking on Eric Bledsoe being a uh, productive player in the playoffs when they gave him that extension, right? And so, um, you know, that's the one issue. I think that, you know, obviously there are pieces the Bucks can make to make a deal. I think Chris Paul would love to play in Milwaukee with Giannis. Um, I think that he would be a great fit, a veteran that can distribute the ball. He is one of the greater, you know, point guards ever to play this game, in my opinion. Um, and he has shown you this year he's still got a lot left in the tank. So I think if there's a way the Bucks can pull off a trade with him, it'd be great. You just unfortunately might have to give up one of your best young players like Dante DiVincenzo. I really like him. I think that oh, he's yeah. gonna, you know he's been a nice piece for the Bucks. Uh, I know he's a little inconsistent with his offense, and some of the fans were getting on him for that, but. 
I think that they they were asking him to do a lot here in the playoffs when you know you weren't really getting offense elsewhere when Giannis was kind of struggling a little bit and Chris Middleton was up and down. You were relying on him being the third offensive option, and he's really young. I mean, he's only uh, I think what twenty one years old. So um, you know, I correct me if I'm wrong, but. Um, no, I think, I think you're, right. you're right. Yeah, so you know, I think if there's a way the Bucks can swing Chris Paul, and it's a good deal, they should do it. I just don't think they should give up, you know, the whole uh, the whole farm for him. Obviously, so um, that's the thing too, because there are other options. I mean, you 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 uh, we talked about it on our podcast, you know, on the pick and roll. Drew Holiday uh, is not a guy they can get now, but maybe next year. Um, as he's going to be a free agent uh, next season, and Dennis Schroeder, who uh, I think is going to would be a great fit as well. So Chris Paul isn't the only option right now for the foreseeable future, but if you can get him heading into next year, there'd be a ton of buzz around this city if you get CP3, Giannis, and Middleton at the Pfizer doing things in 2021. I would be for it, for sure. Yeah, it would be certainly a sight to see, and and I definitely can't believe it until I see it, and I, yeah. If I had to bet on it, I'd probably, I'd probably guess we wouldn't go for it, and you'd only be seeing it on those Instagram mashups of jerseys that don't belong to the player that I had that I've been trying to articulate. But it'd be cool. But I definitely see the other side of it, where he is. He's 36, and even though he he shows he still has a lot in the tank when he's healthy. This, as uh, Mark Schindler brought brought up um, on. A couple podcasts ago now, um, this has been his healthiest season, and we would have to give up the farm to get him. So, yeah, we definitely would hate to see Chris Paul get hurt, and then our chances look even worse than they did in this year's playoffs. Um, but, I mean, I just, I, I just more so fall back on that it's the ultimate sign uh, to make up for uh, the Malcolm Brogdon trade, even though we got pieces back and. And Malcolm Brogdon's a solid player, but he wouldn't he maybe wouldn't have swung this heat series. It does show to Giannis that that hey, we're we're we are willing to spend money after For sure. all. And I think with the Brogdon thing too, Devin, what's what a what a lot of people not outside of Milwaukee, I'm sure you know this, but a lot of people outside of Milwaukee, they maybe didn't know the full story with what happened with him because the Bucks, I think, were willing to uh do what they could to keep him. The problem was, you know, Brogdon, I think he he I think he said it publicly too. I, I think he really wanted to move on from the Bucks. I don't think he wanted to stay here. He wanted a bigger role. And that's why he uh, accepted the deal with the Pacers. I think he just, you know, when you have a player that's not fully invested on being there, it's probably not the sh- the smartest thing to give him money, right? So yeah. um, as good as Brogdon is, um, I, I don't think the Bucks really had anything they, they could, you know, could have done there. Uh, because if you don't have a player that wants to play for you, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, have him on the team. So, 100%. And especially it shows when you see his role with the Pacers now. I mean, I think his, his assist averages jumped, jumped up like five assists per game as he's now a full-time point guard there. And so, yeah, he's proven there that he can do that. And he wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten that opportunity with the Bucks. Right. And and he also he also earned a significant penny with the Pacers, too. Like, would, would the Bucks really have been, been better off for the future if they had if they had gone into the luxury tax this year? entered the repeater tax sooner, just compound all that money that we owe. And on, t- on top of that, maybe maybe Brogdon isn't, maybe he isn't as healthy going forward. He certainly has had injury issues in the past. And yeah, maybe he's just unhappy because he, he doesn't get to, right. to have that full-time point guard role. For sure. 
for sure. Um, I definitely echo your interest in Drew Holiday. Um, I I am I am afraid of of whether or not we would be able to get Drew Holiday, considering he. You know, the Pelicans definitely weren't as successful this year, so his value maybe did diminish a little bit, but not not materially, not on the same level that Bledsoe has. So hopefully we wouldn't have to break the bank with him, but I'm afraid he would. And on Dennis Schroeder, definitely not a name I would have expected when you and Mike had brought it up. Um, but it kind of it kind of does make sense, especially because Schroeder is having had a career year this year even even coming off the be- bench he was he's pretty phenomenal maybe not nominally his best year cuz he did have he did have some starter years there in Atlanta interestingly under Mike Budenholzer i'm not sure if they butt heads or not but with with Schroeder's value increasing there as a sixth man of the year candidate and Bledsoe's value unfortunately diminishing maybe maybe their values are more similar than than me and other Bucks fans may think, and uh, conveniently their their contracts also match up almost perfectly. I believe they made within like five hundred thousand dollars of each other this this season. So um, definitely something that that I would give more consideration to. Um, maybe there would be another piece thrown back one way or another. I'm definitely a little biased on the Bledsoe front. Not sure if I would do that trade today, but definitely something else to consider. Do you have any other trade ideas? Uh, for the Bucks, Bledsoe well, or otherwise, Jared? Jared? You, you know, trade ideas, you know, I, I probably have to look at the Bucks roster, you know, give me, if you gave me a, a little bit of time to like break down player and draft picks, I can get back to you on that. I have some ones uh, in terms of free agents we talked about on the pod. You know, Furkan Korkmaz is a guy on Philly that I think the Bucks would really like to have. He's a good shooter. Um, he can give you some some good perimeter shooting, and I think you know one of the things with the Bucks right now is they don't have a ton of young guys that are um, their their key guys. I mean, their main guys, you know, Giannis is 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 twenty five, right? So he's still really young. You know, Chris Middleton's in the prime of his career, right? But the other supporting guys, you look at George Hill, you know, he's in his thirties. Brooke Lopez as well in his thirties, as well as Robin, and you know, so is Wes Matthews, and so is Kyle Korver towards the end of his career. So there's a lot of veterans on this Bucks team of their supporting players, and you know, kind of, um, you know, adding pieces. The, the Bucks young guys, you know, weren't really getting a ton of minutes in the in the big games. Guys like you know DJ Wilson and um, uh, Sterling Brown. So you know, I think that the Bucks are trying to probably go younger off the bench and getting a guy like Korkmaz, yeah. I think he's 24 years old. That's a guy that I really liked. I, he had some good games with the Sixers this last year. His, I think his uh, three-point percentage was in the low, you know, high 30s, low 40s, which is really good. Um, so he's a guy t- uh, to keep an eye on. But yeah, if you look at Schroeder's numbers this year, 19 a game, uh, huge uh, is jump. That right? From, Holy cow. Yeah, 19 a game, and he was so good defensively. He, he got second place in um, most improved player uh, voting. And um, so, you know, I think you look at a guy like him, you plug him in. Obviously, he's not uh, the shooter that Drew Holiday is because Drew Holiday is a very good perimeter shooter. Um, he's But Schroeder has yep. shown you he's improved the shot. He came in not a good shooter at all. He was mainly a defensive guy. Um, but, you know, he, he is also really, really young. And, and so that's the thing that, you know, attracts me to him. Bledsoe is kind of, you know, more in the press, the end of his prime of his career. 
you look at Dennis Schroeder, he's 27 years old. He's enter- entering the prime of his career right now. So uh, I think he'd be uh, uh, just a good piece for the age he is. And, you know, because the Bucks window is these next couple of years. I mean, you have Giannis around, um, hopefully long term for the Bucks, and he, you know, you'll have chances to win with him. But with Middleton being the age he is and Giannis being just starting to enter the peak years of his of his athletic career, um, the Bucks window right now is is um, these next couple of years, right? And so you want to get guys that are around that age too that can uh, be additions. I like the Bucks moves they made in the offseason, don't get me wrong, with some of their vets, but I think uh, yeah, yeah. it, it kind of had its effect towards the uh, in the bubble with because uh, you saw a lot of young guys really playing well in this bubble. Um, and you're seeing it still now. You look at Jamal Murray. You look at Tyler Hero. Um, yes, sir. You know, so you know you you, you kind of got to say, oh, wow, you know, young guys are taking over the league. You know, Nikola Jokic, um, you know, doing an amazing thing. So that's kind of my thought on it. I don't have any uh, trade scenarios for you, but I do have, have a couple guys in mind like Korkma, Schroeder, and uh, Danilo Gallinari would be a would be a piece that would be a great um, piece for the Bucks. I think he's a free agent. Um, I don't know if it's this year, but next year, uh, he's at, he's 31 years old. He might have an uh, opt out, so he if he wanted to come to the Bucks uh, this upcoming season, I think he could. So you know, I think it just depends on who wants to take less money uh, to come over here and help and help the Bucks uh, hold hold up that trophy. Yeah, you've definitely seen uh, guys come here in the past. Um, definitely trophy hunting a bit there. Um, Namely, uh, Marvin Williams, who I think I forgot to mention on a recent pod, he had retired after uh, the Bucks series loss against the Heat. Um, but that's another guy who we certainly got for great value before he was making uh, 10 figures, but we were able to get him for the minimum after his buyout. Uh, shout out Marvin Williams, uh, 15-year vet, former number two overall pick. Maybe didn't quite earn his hype there or for a typical number one or number two overall pick, but I mean, yeah, 15 seasons in the NBA, he certainly stuck and averaged averaged just around 10 points and five rebounds a game. So shout out to him, but that's another hole we're going to have to fill in in uh, free agency. And also, Ersan Ilyasova has a non-guarantee uh, for this upcoming season for $7 million, which um, is a bit of an overpay, but it was that when we signed the contract. Um, but uh, he was definitely um, coach favorite of Bud's, so I could see the Bucks keeping him, um, even though his salary is kind of a nice filler for a trade if we were to give him that guarantee. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. To your point, Jared, I would love to see DJ Wilson uh, get some more millet get some more minutes and salvage some of that value. I I mean, I would have loved, loved to have had him played over Ursan this season, but, you know, uh, Bud has his preferences. Robin will also uh, be a likely opt-in for his $5 million player option, while Wes will uh, likely opt out of his... He's really only making around the minimum at $2.7 million. 
That'd be a nice minimum to have, wouldn't it be, Devin? I'd like that. I'll take that minimum any day. Yeah, hopefully we can we can get some some guys like that. Um, but other options that I like for us, um, let's see. Honestly, like if we could get like kind of another playmaker, like we had mentioned a Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, yeah. On a previous podcast, maybe not exactly him, but but in that mold. Although he is conveniently an unrestricted free agent this year, if we could get him for maybe maybe he's a little he's a little richer than that 3.6 biannual exception that the bucks have but yeah if if we could have him being maybe one of the two pieces that make up that 9.2 million dollar non-taxpayer mid-level exception that the bucks will make that'd be cool other guys in that same playmaking mold that'll be unrestricted free agents are alec burks you had mentioned bryn forbes in the past whom uh i um yeah, that was I, Mike. I, in Mike my head, he's, he's a little younger. Is he not? Do you happen yeah. to know roughly how old he is? Yeah. Uh, well, he came out of Michigan State. I, I uh, that was Mike. Uh, Mike's pick. I'm pretty sure. And and I like yeah. Brent Forbes. Um, you know, and I think the thinking there with him is he comes out of San Antonio. Um, which is which is a culture that's that's all about winning. And he averaged 11 points this year. Um, you know, and he comes from um, you know Michigan State. He's uh, 27. So he's uh, entering the prime okay. of his career right now. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, they, they, they kind of tell you, you know, when you're from the ages of 26 to about 30 in basketball, those are your peak years in terms of your athletic ability. Um, not, you know, obviously when you're young, it's more raw, but when you really are entering the prime, you know, you're, you're in your late twenties entering the 30 year mark. So that's kind of where Brent Forbes is now. I think that'd be a good pickup for the Bucks for sure. Yeah, and that's another guy that I think we could get for for a pretty reasonable contract, uh, similar to what I had mentioned for uh, Jordan Clarkson. I feel like he could, we could maybe, maybe even get him on a better deal. Uh, some other veterans that I like, uh, less of playmakers, but more of more of some veteran wings, similar to Wes Matthews. If if we do happen to lose him, but I'd, I'd like to think he'd like to come back. But regardless, I'd take both Wes and. Uh, either a Kent Bazemore or a Justin Holiday. Uh, Justin Holiday was was a really good contributor on the Pacers this year. Definitely still shows that he has uh, some 3 and D in him. And same same goes for, for Kent Bazemore. He was traded uh, partway through the year, um, but I think he did end up working out better for, for that Kings team. But I'm, I'm definitely less of a Kings uh, expert than that. Of, well, there's no uh, need to be a Kings expert. expert. They haven't yeah. had a meaningful yeah. game since Shaq called them the Sacramento Queens back in 02. So, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, but no, I you know you, you one thing you really uh, nailed, which is um, which is really good, is you know you talked about Devin the playmaking ability. You mentioned Jordan Clarkson. I think that's what the Bucks were lacking in the Heat series is that they, they they really were stagnant offensively. They had such a good offensive flow during the regular season. I got a chance to be in the Pfizer for a lot of those games with my internship at CBS 58, covering a lot of the games. And um, they were so crisp and smooth that the Pfizer packed and loud. You know, they were feeding off the crowd. I don't know. You know, I think part of their, maybe them being not a, not the same in the bubble had something to do with, you know, no fans because I feel like that makes a difference. But, um, you know, they were lacking playmaking um, creating off the dribble, and that's maybe what the Bucks need to try to get in this offseason. Guys that can do that. They were a little stagnant. Miami was able to figure that out, and uh, it was just it was a tough offensive series for the Bucks. 
Yeah, and that's that's just another example there of of the Malcolm Brogdon effect. Certainly, I think um, Jared and other Bucks fans kind of understand the whole context a little more, um, and kind of the trade off that we got. Obviously, we did get Wesley Matthews back in that deal, um, and of course the Indiana pick, but but by replacing him largely with with Wes and Corver. Definitely some solid vets who can who can contribute on both ends of the floor, but for sure. But yeah, we could we could have definitely used more playmaking, and hopefully we'll we'll see that as a sign to get uh, right someone like a Jordan Clarkson or Alec I believe Burks. I believe in John Horst. I really do. I think that that um, oh yeah, since he's taken over, um, he has made really really good moves um, since he you know as soon as he started. Uh, if you remember, I mean, he you know moved on from Greg Monroe. I mean, Greg Monroe was a big part of the Bucks offense when he uh, started, and you know the Bucks were a completely different team when he took over, and the transition and the success he was able to have as a GM. I mean, he got Executive of the Year last year, um, and so the Bucks are, you know, I don't think they're 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 struggling uh, on the front office front, and and I believe in in Mike Budenholzer as well as a coach. So I think a lot of a lot of emotion came out of of Bucks fans, obviously, with that series in the second round because the expectations were high last year, right? I mean, you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you're you're, you're very close to making uh, the NBA Finals. You're up two zero. It's tied two two. You could smell it. And um, I was excited, you know, not as a, as a fan of the Bucks, but just as a, someone living in Milwaukee, it was a great time, you know, last year. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, with the Pfizer rocking and the Deer District rocking. So I think. It was a little bit of a hangover with the fans from last year, and the reactions were very, very um, emotional. and And I understand that as a, as a fan of the Knicks and as a fan of sports, that you know, it's emotions are tied into your team's success when they win. You're happy when they lose. You're mad. But I think that people need, you know, after now it's been <laughs> it's been some time now, and so when people, you know, kind of look at it. Uh, I think Mike Budenholzer is, I mean, there isn't too many great coaches, like I said on, on uh, our podcast. And so the Bucks are lucky to have a guy like him who, who has a track record of being a, just a really good regular season coach. Yes, he's had his struggles in the playoffs, um, but I don't, I think it's too early to, uh, to say he, you know, he's not the guy. And, and I think John Horst has obviously proven he has the ability to, to, to be a GM. So um, I think that, you know, you give those, you know those guys a chance to do what they do in the off season. I think the Bucks are going to be back next year in in a in a top three in the East role for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. E- even with um, the Brooklyn Nets, sorry to bring them up again. Um, and what are you doing? What are you doing to me, Devin? Huh? What are you doing? <laughs> oh man, yeah. I'm sorry to bring that up, Jared. But even with them coming back, I'm sure the Bucks will still be a top three seed, like Jared had said. Um, but yeah, I think it's something, even with myself as a Bucks fan, kind of adjusting uh, to, I'm not sure, just, just the new expectations of the team. Like, even though we were really disappointed with the last four games last season, we should still view it as, as a victory, having made it all the way uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals and... Yeah, heck, we were we were only two wins away from an NBA championship after not having won uh, a single playoff series since 2001. So, um, although most Bucks fans would probably say it's a disappointment, just based off of off of the bad taste left in our left after that. Um, yeah, this is really the first real disappointing season for the Bucks, and 
in a while, especially when you take into account uh, the expectations. Um, one uh, last note I would like to make. Um, by the way, I did really love your bud take there, and I didn't even think to put it in because our, our, our ideas are totally in line that, I mean, this is this was the guy's second season with the team. He was the coach of the year last year, had had won 60 wins the prior season and was on pace for 70 wins for a large part of this season. And more than anything else, and I think you guys said it on the Pick and Roll podcast, who else are we going to get right. if, if we end up firing bud like i i had discussed this as well with uh mark schindler a couple podcasts ago that like maybe only maybe like mike mike d'antoni could be like debatably right, right a similar tiered coach that's that's on the market um similar to well a similar tier to mike budenholzer but yeah it's it would be it would be shocking to say the least if the Bucks were to move on, and we we definitely don't think it's going to happen. Um, the point I wanted to touch on, um, relating to a couple uh, points I made on veterans before, and Mike Budenholzer, the Mike Budenholzer guy is Kyle Korver, who will obviously be an unrestricted free agent this year, coming off of a million uh, veteran minimum salary. I believe he is. Um, at the young age, except in basketball terms, of 38. Yeah, and right. We have a mailbag question. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow he's still, I felt like he looked uh, pretty decent throughout throughout the season, yeah. even yeah, in the playoffs. Himself, like, yeah. He keeps himself in great shape. Uh, he, he's a pro's pro. I mean, Kyle Korver is uh, one of the greatest three-point shooters uh, in the NBA history, you know, and so, uh, you know, he does a really good job of, of, of staying ready at his age. You know, he, he, uh, he doesn't look like he's 38 years old. Absolutely not. Even with that haircut, he kind of looks like uh, kind of looks like the same hairstyle I was going for back in uh, seventh grade. Back but. in the days, yeah, that's 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 uh, two thousand nine Abercrombie and Fitch hair back in the day. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh my gosh. Um, but relating to Kyle Korver, we did have a mailbag question in from Justin Matcham, host of the Cavalier Central podcast with the Hoopheads Podcast Network. He asks, uh, do you have any gut feelings on whether Corver will come back or retire? If he decides to come back, do you want him to re-sign with the Bucks? Would his role be any different uh, than it was this year? Uh, I'll touch on it first. Um, obviously, it's really hard to say whether or not or touch on what I think is in his head, but I think he looked pretty solid this year. I didn't see any big regression uh, compared to his previous seasons, though I hadn't watched a ton, um, I guess even comparing it to some of those Cleveland Cavaliers days, he still is able to to sprint around those screens and get his sh- shots up, knock it down with efficiency. So I, I do think that he, I wouldn't be shocked if he came back and I would not mind at all if the Bucks chose to re-sign him. And considering the the amount of free agents or possible free agents we have this year, although it's not the same big names of last year, um, I I think we could definitely take all of the contributing uh, vet minimum salaries that we can get. So I'd love to have Corver, um, certainly a great uh, veteran locker room presence. And would his role be any different? Is the last part of Justin's question. I mean, I probably wouldn't want to see him playing twenty-ish minutes a game in the playoffs, but. 
I I don't know. That's probably more more of a more of a bud issue there. I I just I I commend Kyle Korver for still uh, showing up and playing those minutes and not being being terrible compared to the compared to the the rest of the the Bucks performance there and that's definitely not putting it in the brightest light. Jared, do you have any thoughts on bringing back Kyle Korver? It sounds like you might be in the same boat as me. I am. Um, I think Kyle Korver is a, a great vet to have, um, not only on the court in the locker room. Uh, he, you know, understands uh, what it means to be an NBA pro, um, and he, you know, getting a chance, like I said, to see it firsthand a lot of times in the locker room. Really, really latched on to some of the young guys. He had a good relationship with Dante D. Um, really good relationship with, um, you know, um, George Hill and some of the veterans as well. He just was a great locker room piece. And um, yeah. he's a liability defensively. He has been his whole career. It's not what he does. He's a three-point specialist. But bringing him back would would not be um, any anything bad for the Bucks. I think it would be uh, you know either the same or it could add um, you know some depending on how how he looks uh, you know at age thirty eight at the ripe age of thirty eight. I wouldn't have any problem with uh, with it at all. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, good to be on the same page there. But of course. Um, yeah, maybe don't quote Jared or myself on that because who's to say how uh, how Corver will feel, especially after this extended season and, right. and these insane circumstances. He might just be like, you know what, I'm out. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on, Jared, what I'm doing here also at the beginning of this offseason is we have now eight weeks left until the NBA draft. So I am looking back on... Uh, a couple mock drafts and looking at players who could be picked in our area. I'm just going to quickly run through uh, Nico Mannion, who certainly has uh, mixed reviews, but he was a five-star recruit. His father, Pace Mannion, was a five-year veteran of the NBA. Um, he has, well, I'll get into the comps uh, at the end. That'll be a good closing piece. But some of his strengths, he's a uh, Good at keeping bigger guys on his hip after a switch and and then can often get a step on them, even though personally I don't see him as like an incredible or explosive athlete, but um, he is he has a decent size for his for his position at the point guard. Um, um, he's good at reading a defender's hips. Um, where like obviously I said he's good at uh, keeping them on his hips. Um, after a switch, but he's also good at, at uh, seeing where the, the defense is positioned and where their momentum's going and then being able to create space off of there. He's a good uh, uh, change of pace, or excuse me, uh, yeah, yeah, he's real shifty and then can uh, can get his own shot off the dribble, get into the lane, like I said, create space for himself. He had a he had about a five to two assist to turnover ratio this year, uh, slightly more than that. He has a pretty solid shooting technique and has a go-to uh, one-handed floater that uh, that you know is uh, will, will be a nice uh, little notch in his belt for uh, the NBA to have a go-to move. Uh, he has decent footwork and has some of the best passing has some of the best passing and vision in the draft as will be uh, blatantly obvious if ever you turn on any of his highlights. And he is pretty solid uh, laterally in, in anticipation on D. Uh, overall, a pretty high IQ guy. 
Um, however, some of his weaknesses, um, although, although I say he is, he is in some regards a high IQ, um, maybe more surprisingly on the defensive end, there's, there's also room for improvement with his shot selection. Um, uh, the, the analyst that I was re- reading on this take on Nico Mannion was saying that it may have to do with his Arizona roster. However, Arizona does have, have another prospect around the same range as Nico Mannion and Zeke Naji. Um, sometimes prospe- prospects, especially uh, NBA prospects, youth is sometimes more important than production. So maybe just them having another guy in Mannion's range doesn't necessarily speak to their their effectiveness game to game in college and you know maybe it does support having a weaker roster and maybe a necessity to take um, some forced shots he has good shooting technique like I said but he can be a little streaky um, and I also said he's not like the greatest like uh, quick twist or excuse me a uh, quick twitch <laughs> athlete as they say but it's sufficient for the NBA and he has decent size um, struggles a little bit with getting to the rim, but he does have that go-to floater. I wonder how that came about. If he struggles with getting to the rim, uh, projects, but uh, projects as an average uh, NBA defender, probably uh, not much better than that at this point. But uh, we'll maybe we'll take it considering his uh, passing skills and ability to run an offense. Hopefully at the NBA level too. Um. Yeah, along with the shot selection, um, sometimes his his balance with his shot uh, could uh, be better as well. Um, and yeah, as we said, um, or no, he, he may he may have a hard time defending uh, some uh, NBA two guards, but but um, with being able to run an NBA offense um, with his passing and playmaking ability, he shouldn't be forced necessarily to guard twos um and yeah he did shoot uh 32 percent from three which could be better but also the shot selection comes into play there he actually um he has a negative wingspan which was quite surprising although he is uh close to if not uh six three which is which is about the size you want on an nba point guard definitely no slouch in that area but the wingspan is uh a glaring negative there um but yeah that's my big takeaway on nico mannion uh jared last week i i ran through a little bit of trey jones based off of reputation i would probably prefer a trey jones um who's compared to jared jack javon carter uh kirk heinrich and having shades of avery bradley whereas mannion was compared to a uh, ridnauer Derek white uh Darren Collison and shades of Jeff, Jeff T. I could see Trey Jones potentially uh, fulfilling more of his potential there uh, compared to his uh, comparables. But do you have any thoughts on Nico Mannion? And if understandably you don't, do you have any other prospects that you could see uh, the Bucks going after at their uh, draft slot at 25? Well, uh, like you, Devin, I am a hoop head as well, so I know who Nico Mannion is. Um, I I think that uh, he is a uh, he's a good player. He was one of the top. Um, he was the the top player in the state of Arizona coming out. Um, oh yeah. And he, he had a good career um, in high school, and 
you know, it's not easy to transition and dominate like you did in high school in college. And, you know, at Arizona, he, um, you know, was okay. But I think that, you know, it kind of all depends on how his body kind of turns into, you know, into as a pro. Um, yeah. you know, cause I think he's a little small for his position. Um, and obviously, I mean, he's, he's, he's got the ability to score and play make, but when you get to the NBA, man, um, it's a different, it's a different ball game. Um, so I would almost think if I had to pick between the two, I like Trey Jones. I think Trey Jones actually looks a lot better than, uh, his brother Tyus did coming out of college. Um, yeah. I, I just think he's really good defensively and he can score it, but defensively he is like a, a, a game changer. And I think the NBA, if you can defend, uh, you, they'll find a spot for you. Obviously it's an offense heavy league, but because there's so much offense right now, defensive players are coming at a premium. Um, and so, um, I, I would take Trey Jones over Nico Mannion, but I like Nico. Uh, I just think Trey Jones would probably be a, a better pick for me. Yeah. Agreed there. And I've heard, um, I th- I think I I mentioned it on my previous podcast, but and the, uh, one of the analysts that I've been going off of for these uh, these brief uh, analyses analyses uh, tomato tomato um, was saying that that he might be the best defensive guard in this draft, which which definitely checks out from the eye test, and especially uh, knowing how similar he is to his brother. And yeah, I also uh, to echo what you said this. Uh, these same analysts that I'm that I'm kind of going off or going at uh, yeah going uh, after here are uh, definitely said that that they think that he can be better than his his brother as well in the NBA. So yeah, I'm so far hopefully it's Trey Jones between the two, but I'm not quite going to release who else we are going to uh, look at in future podcasts. Um, moving on from there and getting towards the end here, uh, we did touch on some. Uh, NBA Finals predictions. Jared, the way I like to do this is um, I like to first share um, what we had going into the playoffs. I think you might have already mentioned it, but maybe you can uh, remind myself and the listeners. And then now what you predict um, for uh, the NBA Finals results now that we've seen uh, a crazy playoffs unfold in front of us. So, yeah, what were your two uh, picks for the playoffs here? Well, I was dead wrong on my two picks. Um, I had the Milwaukee Bucks coming out of the East and the LA Clippers coming out of the West. I had said it since last September. Um, I just, you know, really felt that those were the two teams. Obviously, a lot of people were heavy on the Lakers. Um, and it would have been interesting to see how this conference finals would have panned out if the, you know, Clippers didn't have one of the biggest choke jobs in NBA history. Um, but I now, um, I'm going to say that I think the Miami Heat are going to defeat the LA Lakers in the NBA Finals. That's that's kind of okay. That's that's what I got. Um, do I have a little bit in me Heat down there in me just being because I was grew up in Miami? Maybe you know. Um, but I just there's something about this Heat team, and I said it way back in the beginning of our pick and roll podcast uh, start. Miami is uh, a team this year that nobody really saw coming. They were the only team to beat the Bucks twice in the regular season. They just they believe in themselves when a lot of people didn't. It's a similar thought process with uh, the Denver Nuggets, kind of how they're uh, being the underdogs in a lot of these. But you know, Miami has just not 
paid attention to what anybody says, and they've been so solid on both offense and defense. I think that they're going to have um, an ability to lock down whatever the Lakers want to try to do if that becomes the final series. Um, you know, I, I just I just really think Miami is destined for finishing this. I think they've come so far. I think they're, they, they, they're not going to go down quiet. If, and if they do lose and I'm wrong, it's going to be a great series. I don't see it being a blowout if Miami can take care of business. Oh, yeah. I mean, Miami has proven uh, us all, but admittedly myself especially, uh, but to no surprise, obviously, Bucks fan here, Bucks podcast. Um, but for my predictions, I've said it before, and we we predicted the same uh, NBA Finals result going into the playoffs. And uh, obviously, I picked uh, the Bucks in six for the culture. Shout out Brandon Jennings. <laughs> but now, fortunately, neither of those options can can make it into the right. NBA Finals, and uh, I will pick the same. The same NBA Finals matchup, um, and you know maybe my guy JJ Rivera, uh, the uh, host of the new Miami Heat podcast of the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, can jump back on the pod, or maybe I'll join him one of these days, and he can he can really get me to put some respect on the Miami Heat's name. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just too salty, but I think the Lakers will end up winning the finals over the Heat. Uh, but it's definitely going to be a series, I think. Um, understandable, understandable considering, you know, yeah. uh, LBJ, it is LeBron. LBJ's LBJ. over there. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the safe pick, but yeah, that's what I'm going with. Lakers and Lakers and six, but I could be definitely, uh, I we'll could come definitely back. Be we'll come wrong. back and see, uh, how our predictions work. Right. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey, no shame in, in changing your predictions at all. I do. I often, I find it so funny when I listen to, to national podcasts and they mess it up all the time, all the time. Well, not only that they, they mess it up all the time, although that's certainly true. Even, even those whom we look up to get it wrong all the time, right. but also just that, that some NBA, uh, analysts are just so, well, I don't, I don't want to use any like language to like to like talk down on them, but they're just, I guess, just stubborn in their picks to, yeah, to sure. go along with, with it. it. Like, sure. like you can change your mind. You don't, you don't, you don't have to still pick the Sixers to win the finals yeah. if, if they're down, if they're down three zero in the first round. But watch, watch first, first take. take. They do they it do all, it the, all time. the time. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, they do it all the time. So, yeah, I I try to I try to not listen to that anymore. Uh, but uh, hey, I, Steve, I, I, Stephen A, if you'll have me on, uh, yeah. I take it back. Yeah, I, I, I like Stephen A and Max. I mean, they're both New York guys as well. Um, Stephen oh, A, it. you know, he's a lifelong Knicks fan. Max has been hating on the Knicks for since Dolan's taken over. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just think you look at that as an example of a show uh, where, you know, a lot of times they contradict themselves, but it's because, you know, they, they saw new evidence. And so that, that happens. And if they can do it, we can certainly do it. Absolutely. All right. And then... Uh one last item to get into here. Uh, last bas- or that will be the end of the basketball segment segment of the podcast. But uh, what I loved about the pick and roll podcast, um, um, beyond their basketball analysis, and I respect the heck out of uh, you and Mike for being able to to cover the whole uh, NBA at large. Appreciate Obviously, that. I try to touch on all of all of the NBA in my Milwaukee Bucks podcast, but. 
but I like to remind people that I I can't be held accountable for anything said outside of the Bucks, and right. uh, I I won't claim to be an expert of anything uh, beyond that for my own sake. Um, but yeah, you guys also just have tremendous chemistry, and and I love I I, I also love the other topics that you guys uh, come up with there and. And I find often that that's kind of what what brings me back to podcasts is when is when uh, I can fall in love with the stuff outside of outside of the game because right. um, yeah I can I mean you can get basketball content anywhere but right, right. Um, sure. appreciate that appreciate that yeah we we try our best uh, you know me and Mike we 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 you know we lived together for a year and uh, we got a chance to uh, definitely explore a lot of food spots and talk a lot of basketball. And that's kind of how our idea to make the show kind of came up. I mean, a lot of the stuff we were talking about in our living room uh, was was transferred into uh, a podcast form. So appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's certainly a good way to get some chemistry. But um, yeah, I also wanted to get into uh, some of your local food recommendations around Milwaukee that you guys have mentioned. Uh, something uh, for the guests here. Um, it can be something that you have mentioned on the podcast or something that you haven't. Uh, I'll give it to you, Jared. Wow, you're putting me on the spot. I mean, there are so many good places uh, in Milwaukee to eat. I think it's one of the more slept on food rest, uh, uh, cities in, in America. I think Milwaukee has fantastic food. Uh, you just have to find it. I think that's the problem with some people, especially kids our age, you know, you got Culver's, you got, you know, you got the, your convenient places to go to. And I go there as well, right? Chipotle, you know, things oh, like yeah. that. Um, but there are so many good local spots and we love to shout out our local spots on the show. Obviously cloud red is a restaurant at Shorewood that we absolutely love. Um, especially for what they stand for, social justice and things like that, um, out in Shorewood. You should check them out. And we just uh, went to a place last week when we uh, linked up uh, called Palomino. It's out in Bayview. Uh, super good food. Uh, they have, you know, wings. They got, um, you know, they have different kind of sandwiches, uh, just fantastic food, local food, um, really good, called Palomino. And I guess I could throw one one more in there, one of me and Mike's favorite uh, uh, Asian theme places in the area. It's called Dan Dan down in the third ward of Milwaukee. Great Asian theme food. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we, we love food. We love, uh, sports, we love music. So, um, that's kind of how we gravitated to, to being good friends, but, uh, uh, priding myself on, on, uh, knowing restaurants in Milwaukee is something that I, I take seriously. So I appreciate you giving me the uh, chance to, to name some. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and I, I just wanted to take take this opportunity to to kind of steal a segment of from you guys because this being a Milwaukee Bucks podcast and you guys touching on local food joints, I figured that our listeners could uh could definitely take something away from from that. I would say my recommendation to the guests, um, and I haven't I haven't been out to as many food places lately. However, um, one place that that I went, um, I believe it was for. Uh, uh, shout out to homie uh, Christina's uh, birthday this past year. We went Dina. to Red Light Ramen. Oh, I know she, that place well. well happy yeah. birthday, Christina! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy birthday, Christina. Um, but um, yeah, I'm not even a huge ramen guy. But I had I had a the beef curry that they had there, and it was so dang good. Just and this may be this is probably not even the best review. So maybe apologies, red light. But the the beef the beef and the beef curry almost reminded me of like a beef jerky, but certainly a lot kinder of a texture to eat. Yeah. 
and and I mean that as a compliment and in the best way possible that that their beef and the beef curry reminded me of beef jerky. But well, you know who doesn't like a good old piece of beef jerky, right? I mean, I come mean, on. true, uh, true. Unless, you know, you know, you know, especially if you know if you're vegetarian or vegan, uh, you know that doesn't apply to you. But um, you know, I I had red light ramen. That's a great pick. I've had red light ramen uh, a few times. It, line was around the corner last time I was there. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just a lot of really good food spots in around the area. And since you and me are from Wauwatosa or live, you know, I moved here and you grew up here. I have to shout out one more North Avenue grill in Wauwatosa. Oh um, yes. You know, if you want good American food and a diner type a- atmosphere, there's no better place than North Avenue grill. The Buffalo chicken wrap is, uh, absolutely unreal. So heck yeah um i think i've only been there once myself and it was definitely for for a brunch and i can only imagine that i got some sort of breakfast burrito that's pretty much the only thing i ever get if it's an option for brunch places but yeah people also don't sleep on uh breakfast burritos i like breakfast burritos yeah 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 Throw, throw in a nice little uh you know little eggs and cheese and whatever meat you have in there i, I like them Oh, yeah. Just just pack the thing full of all of your favorite breakfast items and then lather some cheese sauce on there. Man, that's that's all you need. And nothing, I yeah, no, will nothing, never order anything else hardly from from a brunch spot, even nothing, with all the options there are with brunch. <laughs> nothing cures a good, uh, you know, college weekend than uh, a little Sunday breakfast burrito. Right. Oh God, yeah. You you wonder you wonder how I got on the the breakfast burrito train. Uh, might have something to do with it. All right, and then uh, the last non basketball item that I wanted to uh, get into here, um, we had mentioned. Um, Jared, could you remind me of the first um, food recommendation that you had there? You said that they stand for social justice. Cloud or Red, yeah, it's yeah, called it's Cloud, Cloud Red and Cloud Red. Red. Yeah. All right, shout out Cloud Red. Um, for uh, do, doing what they do to fight against uh, social injustice and racism, um, and also we want to we want to do the same thing here at Nuck a Few Buck. After all, we do cover a league that is if it's at least three quarters or, or 80 percent black, and it would just uh, considering the times and the news items that are that are unfortunately. Um, relevant on this topic, I'd be remiss if I didn't do what I can uh, to support Black Lives. If I if I am uh, benefiting off of Black culture in the NBA, so I wanted to touch on Brianna Taylor, um, the the verdict that there was that just came out. I believe it was just yesterday, actually, um, on the the three cops who murdered her um, in her sleep next to her boyfriend. And I'm pulling up here. Um, it was found that only one of the three cops were charged, and he was charged uh, in the first degree for uh, wanton endangerment. Um, I'll read uh, a little excerpt out of Kentucky law of what that means. But it is a when a person is, or yeah, when a person's guilty of wanton endangerment uh, in the first degree. Um, it is under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human human life, which obviously was was uh, what happened when they murdered Breonna Taylor. Um, and then, yeah, uh, 
This happens when they wantonly engage in uh, conduct which creates substantial dan- danger or of death or serious physical injury to another person. Um, now, this is it is a bit confusing to me, admittedly, what exactly that means. But um, in the in the end, it's definitely not the same. And the repercussions, I imagine, definitely aren't the same as as murder. Which which this man and probably his his fellow officers should have been charged with in this case. However, they weren't. And I guess we do have to take and now we are recognizing that it's completely wrong that the fact that the no knock warrants were technically part of Kentucky law at the time. Um, so unfortunately, this is the case. And, and it's just incredibly saddening uh, considering that Kentucky, even before this decision, uh, came out with a law. Um, it's commonly known as the Brianna Taylor law um, banning these no-knock warrants, yeah. which should be banned everywhere. Right. I don't know if they're banned everywhere. I'm guessing they're not considering how new of a law this is. Yeah, they're definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so clearly, I'm not the most informed person on this on this topic, but it is important to me to make sh- to make sure that that my voice is heard and that I'm ampl- amplifying black voices as much as I can. After all, silence is violence, and I'm. If you'll excuse me. I'm looking for one more excerpt here that I saw that was a really interesting part of the Breonna Taylor decision. Which, um, shoot, I'm totally, I'm totally missing it now. Um, however, <laughs> um, if you just want to look at the same place where I am looking as well, I would just recommend Googling, uh, Brianna Taylor Law and see if you can find, um, Oh, okay. Excuse me for stumbling for so long. But the Brianna Taylor Law, as I just found again, it requires that police officers also have their body cameras on when conducting searches, and it sets a minimum time period before and after the operation uh, in which uh, body cameras are on. It's extremely important for, um, in order for police officers to be held accountable uh, now and in the future that they that they do have their body cameras on at all times uh, I don't see why they wouldn't but uh, by my understanding it seems that uh, the regulations on body cameras does vary from um, from place to place but yeah that's essentially all I have on the Brianna Taylor law um, or excuse me Brianna Taylor decision I did add another link to my link tree which can be found on my Instagram and Twitter pages. That's Nuck If You Buck NBA. Um, only way it's spelt differently besides how it sounds is U is just the letter U. And yeah, that the top link now on my link tree will be donating uh, to, um, uh, excuse me, to the Louisville, Louisville uh, Black Lives Matter, and they will be supporting... Uh, uh, the bail project there to help support protesters there. 
Um, yeah, and I guess, um, Jared, I'll give you this moment to um, go ahead and share any sentiment on Breonna Taylor, Black Lives Matter, fight against social injustice, racism. I'll hand it over to you, bud. Well, I appreciate it, Devin, and I uh, I, I commend you for you know um, speaking out um, and, and having this platform to um, express these uh, words and uh, just understanding of of what's going on. I think that, uh, you, you know, you said a lot of important things and it's important for us, you know, two white people to, uh, to be allies, to be people that are aware, um, of, of the injustices that are happening in our country that continue to happen, that have happened forever. Um, and you know, we can't be complicit. We have to stand with people, um, our black and brown brothers that are getting treated unfairly, um, and sisters, uh, like Breonna Taylor, um, who, who just is not getting, um, the justice and her family and she is not getting the justice that she deserves. Um, because you know, it just, it, it was a shame, uh, that, that the way that this is all unfolded. But unfortunately, this year has shown us that a lot of people are getting shown for their true colors um, with the pandemic and a lot of social injustice. And, and, and I think that it's important that, you know, we understand, um, you know, right from wrong. And, and when you see something happen um, and someone gets, char- you know, an officer get charged for, you know, spraying, you know, the bullets, um, but, you know, around the, the human being, yeah. but not the human being themselves. Uh, that, that that just doesn't sit well with me, and I know I'm sure it doesn't sit well with you and a lot of people. And that's where the frustration comes from. And uh, you know, it, it, it's just it's a very scary time right now um, for a lot of reasons. But I think that you know, w- you know, in any way you look at it. Um, a, a person should have um, an ability to go through the justice system. Um, and so, and unfortunately, in her case, she was not able to. Um, and in the case of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and a lot of people um, that have unfortunately um, pa- passed because of police brutality. So, you know, it's just a really, really sad thing that to have happen, continually happen. And I stand with um, people who are feeling angry, uh, like, you know, and upset and frustrated, like, my, you know, my, my podcast partner, Mike. Um, so, um, you know, I appreciate you, you know, giving me the ability to come on here and, and talk about things, you know, bigger than basketball. And, and, uh, I just commend, you know, your stance on it and I stand with you, um, you know, with, with your thoughts and, uh, you know, yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I am on it. So hopefully, uh, we can see change and, you know, it's important that November 3rd, we go out to the polls, we do our p- part and we vote, um, that that's, that's the best right we have as Americans and, and we got to go out and do it. A hundred percent. Thank you so much, Jared, sincerely for allowing me to to kind of put you on the spot there. But um, I felt confident in doing so, not only from discussions before, but uh, on the Pick and Roll podcast, you and uh, your guest Mike do share uh, your your candid thoughts on the situation and uh, making sure that we're all on the right side of history here, as it is repeating itself in America um, uh, as as we're living in it here. And um, I also thank you too for uh, specifically your note there on the the what, the wanton endangerment charge where I was so confused about. And, and then that's essentially it, Jared, that you mentioned it. These officers are, they're, they're being held accountable solely for, for the bullets that, that missed. <laughs> it's, which is the commentary that I'm hearing yeah, and, and not, right. and not the, the eight shots um, that, um, excuse me, um, that that they shot um, uh, Brianna Taylor with, so that's the big thing. Um, 
Jared, uh, thank you so much for coming on um, and for, for sharing all these thoughts of basketball and uh, those more important than basketball. Could you please uh, tell the guests where they can find you? Well, uh, you know, I'm not too, too hard to find. I appreciate it, Devin, for uh, letting me come on here and talk basketball and talk, you know, everything that's going on. And, um, you know, uh, you can find me at Jared Cohen 24 on Instagram. Um, you know, I got, you know, some, some good content on there. Uh, my Twitter feed is Jericho on 13. Um, so you can, you can, you can see a lot of different things. I mean, I, I tweet sports. Yes, that's, that's a given, but I also will throw in some, some pop culture, some music. I'm known for my music, uh, uh taste and you can find me on uh, Facebook as well. Jared Cohen. So, uh, you know, I'm not too, uh, too hard to find. And, um, you know, I, I am, in a position right now where I feel uh, blessed to be able to to be around friends in, in the uh, Wisconsin area. I just uh, graduated um, college um, in December, so you know who knows where the my career path is going to take me. It's been a wild year, but uh, for now I'm, I'm I'm sticking around the area here in uh, Wisconsin, and and that's where I am. Awesome! Thank you so much, Jared. All the listeners out there, go ahead and uh, give him a follow on all of his platforms to stay tuned with uh, what he has in store for the future. And also, as he said earlier that I forgot to mention, um, go out and vote on on November 3rd um, and make RBG proud. Um, That fantastic woman who we talked about last week who has just recently passed. Rest in peace, uh, RBG. What a a legacy. What a a woman she was. So, yes, uh, glad you brought her up. Mm-hmm. 100%. Everyone, go vote no- November 3rd. Rest in peace, RBG. Rest in peace, Brianna Taylor. And Jared, I'll see you in another life, brother. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again. See you in another life, brother.